Victoria Lee, thank you. Noreen, thank you. A very powerful message and song. All I can think of here is that Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. What an amazing story. And yet how is it that I, that you and I can um, somehow shrink it down to something that's not so significant anymore? We have a, a challenge on our hands as Christians in this day and age. Um, we talk about it on Sundays and, you know, um, I get up here and there's sometimes I think like I'm just like a, a cheerleader jumping around trying to, you know, pump it up and get everyone going. We have a challenge with every day of life, don't we? There's sometimes it's hard. It's just really hard. Um, and, and along with that difficulty, we just don't feel, quote unquote, feel very spiritual. And, uh, you know, times in the word are very, very precious. And so um, what it does is it causes you to uh, delight in God more when you spend time with him in his word. And so if you're not spending time in the word of God, I want to encourage you to get back to that. Determine to do that today or tomorrow. Determine to do that. Get back in the word of God. This is where the joy comes from, not just waiting for the next experience to come about. And all too often, we're like that, aren't we? We're just kind of waiting for some next uh, joy experience or next epiphany, and uh, they just don't happen like that. And so the more we are spending time in the Word of God, the better. And, um, you know, I, I think of what I was doing like two weeks ago with my grandson, Wyatt, when I talk to him, I'm talking in such a way that I'm, I'm trying to express joy to him. And, oh, this is so exciting. And you want to go to that level in talking with your grandchildren. But I don't do that with you. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I know. You're adults. <laughs> but do you know, I, there's, there's a bit of, uh, it's like, how come we aren't more joyful? And it's due to... We get, you know, pulled down by the stuff of life. And there's times where we don't even understand why. Today, we want to talk about the disciples' true joy. Um, it's not a matter of waiting for another experience to happen for the disciples to have true joy. It's not a matter of waiting for, you know, some... Uh, what might be an appearance of Jesus in the sky. No, that's not it. I really appreciate uh, Brennan's message from last week. Now, track with me. Here's a little background on the book of Acts. The story of Acts is really about what? We say, well, it's the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles is really about the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers. 
as they were led about by not only the Holy Spirit within them, but led about by the example of the apostles, especially Peter, James, John, and then Paul. And what happened was they simply bore witness of what they had just experienced when Jesus went to the cross, was buried, and rose again. This was incredible that he rose again. He's alive. They went racing from the tombs, shouting, he's alive. And that's kind of where the joy, not kind of, that's where the joy is. That's where Christianity is. That's where we exist, that Jesus is alive. And there's all sorts of times in your life and my life where we forget that and we go about life more along the lines in, in, in um, not vertical ways, but in horizontal ways. We just relate to each other. And, oh, life is, oh, life is a bear. So I need to, you need to, if you're a Christian, because that's really what we're, we're talking to Christians here to build you up in your faith about living for Christ and remembering He is, thank you, He is alive. So, last week, Pastor Brennan brought this message that gave us this glimpse of, of Luke's writing. Luke is the author of the Acts of the Apostles, led about by the Holy Spirit to write down the things that God wanted written down. And in that message that Brennan gave, it was really um, about a summary. He gave us a summary and that's what Luke does occasionally through the book of Acts. He gives us a, a snippet. All of a sudden, here's a, here's a summary. And so in Acts chapter 2, we see that. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. He summarized it. Later on in Acts chapter 4, he summarizes again. There's a verse in Acts chapter 19 where he summarizes two years about Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And then uh, um, backing up again and understanding Luke's approach to writing this book, he's also giving us a good chunk, almost a third of the book of Acts is about um, as a record or a reporting of the messages or the, uh, the sermons or just the speeches that Paul, Peter, uh, accomplished. And so um, that's the a quick look at the book of Acts. Well, here today, I want to point out another method of his writing, and that was here's some actual episodes of what happened. Here's a summary that was given last week. And this is where we ought to be as a church. They devoted themselves daily to these things. And men... We need to remind ourselves and our wives and our family that this is where we're headed. And leaders in the church and teachers in the church, this is what we need to do is remind our, our class or our Bible study group or our small group, this is where we're headed. We, need, we must be devoted to these things. So, this is not some random selection of Luke's to say, well, I think I'll grab this story. Here's what happened. 
they were praising God and having favor with all the people at the end of chapter 2 in, in the book of Acts. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Summary. Now. Episode. Uh, example. Illustration. Here it is. Chapter 3. Follow along. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour. Uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They were devoted to what? Prayer. Now, this is not that this is the only way to be devoted to prayer, but they were also being devoted to being out there and being, you know, sharing their faith, looking for opportunities. Because going to the temple for prayer wasn't really their really a sweet spot for prayer. Their sweet spot for prayer was with their small group last week, right? What was that? The believers. That's where they're, they're excited about that. So, they go on, and uh, they're, they're just going up to the temple. They're not necessarily thinking, oh, here's opportunities. They just, here they go. And as we know, we, well, I'm, I'm getting a little off track here. I'm, I guess I'm excited or something. Uh, but point number one <laughs> was that these are the priorities we are devoted to. We already covered that. Brennan covered that, especially in his message last week. These are the priorities we're devoted to. And now, here are the opportunities, number two, the opportunities that we are alert to. And that's what comes up in verse two. And a man, look at verse two, lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms, asking for charity, for help uh, of those who are entering the temple. And this was a setup. Why? Because those who are entering the temple were entering the temple because they had access to go and it was extra kind of points for them to, oh, show charity and show generosity to those near the gate. So they were supposed to help the poor. Well, here's a man lame from birth. And he was there asking alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, and we don't know, maybe they had seen each other in the past. Maybe, you know, you recognize, oh yeah, I've seen that guy here before. But he saw Peter and John, and he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Stop right there, and we'll pick it up here in a little bit with that reading. So, these are seen as opportunities. This was not something set up, you know, by the apostles. You know, we're going to, you know, it, here's just opportunity. And that's one of the things I want to encourage us about. Are you expecting your staff at church or the leadership at church to to do all this. No. That's not that's not what the deal is. Each one of us have opportunities. Look around. Count the number of people. It's not like we've got a, a huge, you know, group here this morning. It's it's a good sized group. Great. But think of all the opportunities that you have, that you have, that you have, that you have, that you have for Jesus. <laughs> And it's just a matter of you 
and me as individuals in the body of Christ to say, you know, I, I want to be faithful to these, whatever opportunity comes my way. Not just to, you know, and I tell you, I'll, I'll be honest. I, there's so many times in the past where I've, I've wanted to just be seen as a good guy in the opportunity. Do you follow that? I just don't want to offend someone. That's, that's not the right approach. And it, on the other hand, it's not the right approach to say, hey, I'm going to just slam this guy with the gospel. No, that's not the, the point either. point is to be Jesus to them. And it could be the simple cup of water in Jesus' name, or it could be saying, let me tell you about wh- why I am so joyful, <laughs> why I have such joy amidst trial and trouble. And so the opportunities are there. Are we alert to them? And the more, listen, the more you as a Christian are spending time in the word, you're learning and growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, there's fruit that's there. You might not know the fruit right away, but the fruit starts growing because you come back to the word to say, ah, this is great. I want to read more. And God, help me apply it, not just to file it, but help me to apply it in my life. Okay? Young people in Awana, especially, we don't want you just to file away all those memory verses. We want to encourage you to then go live it and apply it, act it out, live it out by the strength of Jesus in your life. So, but the, listen, Christian, the more you know you're growing and bearing some fruit in your life with Christ, the more you grow in purposeful living. You can go out in the marketplace and have a confidence in Christ and be able to share something that gives glory to Christ or that plants a seed. Maybe it's the verse you memorize. You know, we memorize a verse or something. Maybe it's just a simple thing that uh, seeds have been planted in the lives of other people around you. Here's opportunity. Okay? So that the normal activities of life, the normal events of life, the normal becomes opportunity of seed planting. Even when we're just going about our routine stuff. Isn't that the idea behind being a Christian? Isn't that the idea? You know, are we just waiting for worship for next Sunday? Or are you worshiping in between? That's the idea. And it's all because God in his overall plan is causing you to be more and more dependent on him for everything. The more you're growing in the things of God's word, the more you're recognizing, wow, I, this is from God. God is good. And the more we start recognizing, you know what? Jesus is the only answer for people. People need the Lord. 
He's the only answer. The more that we're thinking that in our lives as we meet with people just in passing, the more that can spill over into their lives. I don't want to encourage anyone to say, oh, I'm meeting with someone and I've got to share the gospel. Well, yeah, that'd be nice to get to the gospel, but, you know, maybe you ought to sit and listen to them for a bit. Listen to them. Then ask them questions. Find out where they're at. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, shortcut or, you know, say that not giving the gospel is not important. No, that's, that's where the answer is in life, right? But these are opportunities that are before us. And here in this passage, here's an opportunity with an outcast. This is the example he gives. Of, here's, here's a regular opportunity. And now the outcast person, the lame person, calls out to Peter and John. Maybe he recognizes them as being part of this new movement. And he calls out to them asking for alms. But in this, we, we see some, you know, typical things of someone that has no eternal perspective. Okay? Let me just get right to it here, okay? This lame man was really a lame man. He was really carried about by people and put there. And he, he wasn't some, uh, you know... Uh, idea or myth. No, a real story, real episode. And so here in this real episode, what we can glean from this is a picture or a illustration of what we were without Christ. Now read it with me again. The man, what was, what was his condition? Lame from birth. You and I were lame from birth. You and I had no way of standing on our own before God. There's no way. We were lame from birth. It's it's the sin condition passed down from Adam. We are being carried along. And they laid him at the gate of the temple. Notice the location isn't in the temple. It's outside the gate. And that's really what we're like. We're, we're now kicked out, so to speak, of God's presence. And we're never going to be able to enter in. Never. Never could we just pick ourselves up and go into the temple. Never. We're, we're really close to it, but, and that's the way it is with, listen, that's the way it is with religion. That's what, that's what religion is like. We're near the gate. We're near the temple, but we're not in the temple. We're not truly worshiping God the way that he has laid it out for us in his word. And so there had to be, point number three, wonder-working power. The wonder-working power of Jesus Christ. Okay? 
Notice also, before we dive into number three, notice also his petition. His petition, you know, was, hey, I'm just, I'm asking for alms, money, anything. He didn't see beyond the temporal. It was just like, just give me enough for the next, the next round. And really, he wasn't even expecting much either. And when the power of God comes, it's, it's surprising. It's more than it's, way more than is expected. Well, let's look at this verse, verse 6 and 7, under point number 3, the wonder-working power of Christ. But Peter said, okay, he said to him, I have no silver, I have no gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Okay? Now, there's a lot of ways in which to consider this, but I want to just offer what I believe is, is helpful in remembering here. Letter A, there's no other possibility, no other possibility, absolutely no other possibility. It was a miracle, a real miracle. His condition was one of, now get this, now we're going into some theology here. His, his condition was total Inability. Total inability. This is what the guy's condition was. And apart from Jesus Christ, that's what our condition is. It's one of total inability. We've got to see that. And we've got to connect it to God and ourselves. Total inability. I used to think... You know, when I was first saved, I, I might have mentioned this before, I kind of um, came along in, in faith in Christ at the time when they had this campaign out called, I Found It. It was a campus crusade something in Southern California, I don't know. But anyway, I found it was a catchy thing. And I just figured that, yeah, I made a choice. I accepted Christ. I came a believer. And that's a, it's a, I was right, but it's a very subtle thing that diverts to me rather than gives glory to God right away. I want to give glory to God now. I want to say, you know what? I was lost and he came and found me. I didn't figure it all out. Oh, I said, oh yeah, Jesus is the answer. How about that? I think I'll take him. Listen, my friend, you are like this lame person without Jesus. You are totally inept at anything of pleasing God. Totally. And no doctor, no medical doctor, no mental doctor, no specialist is going to fix you. If you're here this morning and you are not a believer... Nothing that this world offers will fix your problem. 
And by the way, Jesus isn't going to fix your problem. He's not going to fix your problem. He's going to save you from the bondage and the burden of sin. And then he's going to transform you to look more and more like Jesus in this life. So there's no specialist that's going to fix you. There's no amount of money. Silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So point B is that there's no other name given under heaven by which a man must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is no other name. Okay? Now, you can argue and say, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's from the Bible. If you're here not believing in Christ, you know, you, you can say that. But tell me some other source then that will suffice for man's problem. Tell me one other source. And, and there is no other source, really, when it gets right down to it. It's the Bible. Here it is, the Word of God. So there's no other name. And then, you know, sometimes this is another subtle, a subtlety that we say. You know, this is all that the disciples had to offer. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, that's true. But it sounds kind of like a consolation. Oh, well, it's kind of like when you say, well, I guess there's nothing to do. So I'll pray for you. Christian, I should be saying that the first time around, saying, I, I want to pray for you. Let's, let's pray right now. <laughs> but often we, we kind of put prayer and God's you know, mighty work as kind of the consolation thing. You know, this is just simply about being people of faith, okay? Being people of faith. And listen to what George Mueller, this is a quote from George Mueller, He says, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Yeah? Faith begins where man's power ends. Now, what I was trying to say earlier, I'll say it again. The more we grow in the things of God, the more we realize, wow, my power ends like after I wake up. I hope you think that because when you wake up, here's another day. Oh God, I need you. I don't need things just to go smoothly. That'd be nice, but I need you. I need your grace in my life. So this is the issue of just you and I growing in faith. And we grow in faith by starting with the word of God and trusting Jesus to speak to us. So there's no other name. And then that phrase, in the name of Jesus, and many of you have probably studied this or heard this before, but this implies everything about Jesus. It's not just some magical incantation. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And then, no, it's not some incantation in that way. It's simply saying, here's where This authority comes from. It's the name which represents everything about this person that whose name I'm using. In the name of Jesus. 
It represents that person and is really an extension of that person's being and personality. And thus, the authority is given. That's why when Jesus said, for instance, to the disciples in John chapter 14, he said, those who believe in me, they'll do greater works than I've done. Why? Because he, in Acts chapter 1, he ascended to the Father. He's gone. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is sent. Now the Holy Spirit, it's not like Jesus. Jesus in one, bodily speaking, Jesus in one location, there he is. But now the Holy Spirit is in believers. He's in believers. So wherever you go, here's opportunity that the Spirit of God wants to use you as an instrument in his hands. So, and it results in the miracle of healing. This man was healed instantaneously, not gradually. Okay? And it wasn't a matter of uh, what, I mean, there's a lot of things to say at this point. I don't want to go down the rabbit trail of trying to um, hash out all the issues about healing today. Um, does God still heal? Yes. Um, here's another one for you. In the study of the book of Acts, who is healed? Who are the people that are healed in the book of Acts? And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they were simply unbelievers. Unbelievers. Now, I'm not trying to set up some structure to say that Christians uh, just have to deal with it. <laughs> just deal with your sickness, deal with whatever. You, know, you still want to pray for one another and encourage there to be prayers made for Ernie Ferguson, for Don Everett to be healed. And so much of what is going on in our day today when it comes to a, uh, a gift of healing, you know, I, I don't know as if we have the gift of healing. It might be. Not sure. Healing is there. Okay? Healing is there. But see, sickness is also there. And so, you know, we've got this kind of a dilemma going on in our day and age. And we see, like, somebody on the TV saying, I'm the healer. And walk up here and I will heal you. We'll have to deal with that another time. Because what we want to focus on is Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. What does this story reveal? Peter's miracle uh, Peter calling it out, Peter doing this. No, it's about Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the power. Jesus then is the source of all joy. Jesus is the one we go into the temple and worship. That's what happens with this man. He gets up and he leaps and he dances around and he's praising God. And he joins the two men, Peter and John, and goes into the temple for worship. He can finally do this. The lame man is the lost man, and he needs Jesus. There is no other name under heaven whereby a man must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. We've got to get that proclaimed. Many of you are aware of that, but we need to then resurrect that thought and that theme in our lives. He had a total inability to walk or move. 
I need a healer. I need Jesus. So, something that we didn't mention either was his status, really, as a beggar. He's just a, he's a lowly beggar. And really, when it comes right down to it, that's what we ought to be. We ought to be recognizing that status in our lives. Before Jesus, I was a beggar. Now, in Christ, you are a child of God. You've been welcomed into his family. You are now viewed as his own. We can cry out to him, Abba, Father. But see, this is all about his power being made evident. And it's not just about miracles either. It's about the work of the the ministry that Jesus had, which is reflected in the apostles. They taught, they encouraged, they admonished. They did all those things. This is a part of the ministry. So, it all goes back to the wonder-working power of Jesus. Is that real in your life? Do we... Do we go back to that in our minds? Do we refresh that in our minds here today? It's about the wonder-working power of Jesus Christ in our lives. So it's not a matter of just, here's what he did back when I got saved 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 5 years ago, whatever. No, it's a matter of every day we're walking with him. Every day we look at connections with people and say, how can I be used of God here in this, in this setting? So, what does it result in? The power of Jesus Christ. What does it result in? Number four, worship-filled people. Worship-filled people. Okay? Look at verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder. They, who were they? The people that saw him. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Worship-filled people are those who are in letter A, in the fullness of joy. (laughs) Could this man have any more uh, level of joy in his life? It was overflowing. Here's the fullness of joy. Look at Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Turn there. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Here's the, it's, it's like, here's Old Testament, uh, you know, statement, and we just read the New Testament fulfillment in one way, you know. Psalm 16, verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. And here it is. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. Now, why is it that we 
find pleasure in so much else and we don't find pleasure in Jesus. That's, again, here's the challenge of growing in faith. Got to do it by trusting him in his grace. But in your presence, O Lord, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Are you a Christian? Then you, as a Christian, can enter into the temple, so to speak, to worship him. You can come to worship him. And actually, in the New Testament, what we have is this beautiful truth that says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You don't have him of your own. You've been bought with a price. There again, it's God doing the work to save you. What an amazing, what an amazing God. What an amazing Savior. You know, could we uh, just list all the things about Jesus? Why is it that we, you know, we can't elaborate on Jesus that for very long? I want to be able to elaborate on Jesus in my life more and more. Why? What does it mean when we say Jesus is the all in all? He's my all in all. What does it mean when we say Jesus is my treasure? You know? What does that mean? What does it mean when we say he's the Prince of Peace? And a lot of these titles, we, we rattle them off, but do we really think about it and meditate on it and, and have it kind of start oozing out of us? As people talk to you, you know, they, they look over there, that person, and all they want to do is turn the conversation to Jesus. <laughs> well, that's good. Good. Well, worship-filled people are not just merely uh, have the fullness of joy. That's the idea for us as Christians, that we would understand that and draw near to him and experience the joy that he alone offers. But also, letter B, is that we are a living testimony. We're a living testimony. Now, it's not like we're going to see a lot of people hopping up, leaping, dancing, and praising God at the Labor Day parade tomorrow. But is it something that's evident in your heart and in your life that you're rejoicing in the God of your salvation? Or are the situations of life ruling, does that rule it out? God help us in letting the joy of the Lord spill over in our lives. So, it's very evident what Luke reports here that these people that saw this man who was crippled and now he's walking around, that they were filled with wonder and amazement. Okay? They were filled with it and they, they saw that he was different. What does joy do when you are overjoyed at something? What is that? How is that communicated? People can't, you know, people read it without you saying anything. They see you and they go, Something's happened there. Somehow we've we've come to be more staid, more staid people. You know, just kind of chill. I remember my dad. Uh, 
before he passed away, I was, you know, we were all living at home still, and I was, I had just gotten saved. I was 19 years old, and I was, I went and tried to tell the good news to my sister. And I was like, Dad, saying to me, hey, just calm down. Calm down. And all too often, it's like we, we listen to that counsel. No, I, I'm not wanting it to be a free-for-all on one hand. I, I don't want it to be chaotic. But certainly, we can rejoice you know, about who has saved us. The, the one, the only one. And that's what this is about. You want to be a disciple, a faithful disciple? You say, right there, you lost me. It's too intimidating. Now, remember we've said, a Christian is a disciple. And it's just a matter of you and I growing and you and I following the simple things that he's given to us. It's simple. Might not be easy, but it's simple. And let's just ask God to help us and and use us. We're not going to dive into point number five very much, but what it is is it results with a word-driven, uh, word-driven preachers. This is the joy of the disciples that then preaching comes along. It's driven by the word of God. You can read that as you go on in Acts chapter three, verse 11 and 12. And so let me just wrap it up here. I'm not suggesting that our church isn't authentic because we're not healing the crippled and the lame and the sick and the deaf and the blind. I'm not suggesting that. You know, sometimes people figure, well, there's no miraculous healing going on, so I'm out of here. Well, that's not the case. I'm saying, now just hang with me here. This is what I'm saying. I'm saying that if we are not growing more and more in adoration and wonder of Jesus for what he's done, the treasure of heaven. He's the treasure of heaven. He's the, the prince of peace. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the shepherd of our souls. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the risen and victorious one. If we are not growing more and more in adoration and wonder of him, Jesus, and if we are not growing more and more to trust him and abide in him, to be plugged in. Not unplugged, but plugged into him. If I'm in him, if I'm a believer, I'm plugged into him. And somehow in, in our way, it's like we can start living like as if we're not plugged into him. So if these things are the case, if we're not growing more and more to adore him and to be filled with wonder over him, if we're not growing more and more to trust him and to encourage one another to trust him, then what we're doing here is existing as a social club. That's what's happening. We're just existing as a country club here. Now, I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm saying that's what can happen, and that's what has happened, and we need to come back to what are we about? 
What are you and your life about? You say you're a Christian. What are you about? And if it's about having your way, because you see it, you know, your way. Well, what I want to say next week, you might want to come and hear and find out what we ought to be about. And yeah, it's more about discipleship, okay? And, you know, God bless you. You know, I, um, I want to, uh, I want to be a challenge here. Um, all too often we can just say, well, I've got my Bible open and my outline here and you fill out the notes and let's go. And that's that. And see, it's got to be more than just a, about a sermon. Life as a Christian has to be more than just about a, it's, it's much more than a sermon. Now, hopefully the sermons that we present are going to bring conviction from the Holy Spirit and comfort for those who are hurting and challenge to keep walking in faith. I've mentioned it before. We have been a, a very traditional church over many, many years. And Somehow, I mean, those, there's good things in that, but somehow there's some things that weigh us down and keep us from moving on with Jesus, moving on in the power of the Holy Spirit. What, we're, what we've been preaching on and talking about is the key. You want a key? Then let's get serious about being a disciple and discipling one another. Okay? And... There's a quote here that I'll finish, and we've got to get to communion here, okay? It's from Sally Lloyd-Jones. The people, listen to this. The people God uses don't have to know a lot of things or have a lot of things. They just need to have, they just need, they just have to need him. There it is. They just have to need him a lot. Because I botched it, I'm going to read it again. The people God uses don't have to know a lot of things or have a lot of things. They just have to need him a lot. And if that's where you're at, that's a good sign. We need to be hungry for Jesus Christ. We need to approach him every time. We need to approach him in a humble way. We can approach him with boldness, the Bible says. It's because of Jesus that we can approach the throne of God in a bold way. Because we've been made children of God. And it's all because of Jesus. Remember, don't forget this story. This guy was totally unable. And because of Jesus. Now, if you're a believer, you can participate in this and and really remember him And thank him for what he did for you. And let me say this. um, The Bible tells us that there's nothing that you or I have to add to what he did. It was perfect. And that's why he cried out, it is finished. Jesus is a perfect savior. If you do not know him, you must come to faith in Jesus or you'll be lost for an eternity. 
you must come to faith in Jesus Christ. And for those of us that are believers that love the Lord, we need to pass that message along one way or another, whether it's just by a a friendly gesture or trying to plant some seeds or a, a presentation of the gospel. That's what we need to be about. Come back next week and we'll be preaching some more here on this very thing. I'd like to mention.